Welcome to Yeah, I'm Working On It podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Cornwell, with my co-host, Matthew Thibodeau. What's up, man? Uh, I'm not really quite sure how I'm doing. Uh, there might be some jalapeno poppers on the on my horizon. So Yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely uh, sending my wife out to do a, uh, a sonic run here in a little bit. Yeah. I get it, I get excited over Diet Dr Pepper Route Forty Fours now. I used to get excited about Sonic Blasts. So I've always been a Blue Ocean Water guy. Yeah, I've I've tried it. I just can't do it. So when is it appropriate to use route versus route? Uh, I don't know if there's an appropriate time. See, I will say route in every occasion except for Route Forty Four, Square Route, and En Route. Because I'm not a very smart man, I associate roots with like carrots i'm not a smart man (laughs) but you're working on it but i'm working on it that's right speaking of i'm working on it this is our first episode of yeah i'm working on it and uh we just wanted to really encapsulate what this podcast is going to be about it's not about sonic it's not about sonic but that's a great thing to have in your hand if you're going to listen to this podcast. Sonic is underrated. It really is. It is. Like, everybody's like, oh, I want to go to wherever. I'm like, Sonic's got like a million drink combos. Yeah. And it's all about the liquid. Oh, yeah. Like, and they're I, on skates. Well, some of them. Some of them. Some of them. There's some people I don't want to be on skates. No. Nah. Like, one person actually ran into my car. Yeah. You know, at one time, the Sonic and Winnie, uh, a couple of people I went to high school with, worked there while we were in high school, and there was a family of possums living in the dumpster, and they would uh, take turns going out feeding them. So That's weird. It is weird, but how sweet. Yeah, that was nice of them, but weird. Possums are like the ugliest animal. Eh, but I don't know. They, they look a lot nicer whenever they're not coming out of a culvert. You know, they got pink noses and the whiskers. They have a very pointy... Face, squinty eyes, and like teeth from like Satan himself. Well, you've never pet one, so I, I don't think I, I. I've been too close to them, I guess, in an aggressive standpoint, <laughs> where I'm trying to get them out of my backyard or something, um, to really appreciate the possum or opossum. But anyway. So what this podcast is really going to be about is men's mental health, spiritual health, and just health in general. Um, Really what we're trying to do is break down the uh, stereotypes of men's mental health and and really how the word of Christ and the Bible um, help us get through uh, some of our daily struggles. And uh, we're we're not exactly experts on this but um we're working on it we're working on it boom laid it down name drop not tm yet but possibly maybe but it might cost too much so (laughs) maybe never (laughs) maybe probably never i mean this equipment alone for this thing almost bankrupted me (laughs) well that's for more than one reason that's right that's right so this first episode we're gonna we're gonna go into some deep stuff here we're gonna we're gonna share our testimonies uh, each of us, what brought us here, what got us to this point, and and trust me, there's there's some there's some dark roads ahead of this podcast. Yeah, like you were uh, born in a log cabin that you built with your own hands, isn't that right? Before birth, yes. All right. Yeah, it was. No, con- wait, that was Chuck Norris, who turned eighty this year. <laughs> eighty years old. Eighty years old. Chuck Norris, and he could still beat my dad up. Well, I think a lot of people could beat your dad up, but 
No, not a lot of people. I'm still very fearful of my father. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a little man. (laughs) But anyway, um, yeah, so we're just, uh, we're going to get into our testimonies and I'll, um, I'll go first. Um, so the, uh, age before beauty, uh, you are a handsome man. I am a handsome man. If we were on airheads, you'd be handsome Dan. I would be. If you don't know what Airheads is, it's one of the best 90s movies of all. Go watch it. It's, it's funny. It's got uh, Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler are in a band together called the Lone Rangers, to which everyone tells them, How you, can you can't pluralize, pluralize the Lone, Lone Ranger. Ranger. <laughs> it's just a funny movie. So, <clears throat> so we're going to start around the age of 17 for me. I was uh, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at this time. It was a, um, that was kind of a tragic thing to happen when you're a teenager and you're, you're a senior year of high school and um, about to start going to college. And I remember the one thing I told my mom when I found out is I looked at her and she, I was crying and she's like, what are you crying for? I was like, I'm not going to be able to go get out drunk with my friends at graduation night. And uh, she's like, well, thank God. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that was the first clue right there that, you know, God was kind of working in my life and just, you know, I wasn't acknowledging it. So flash forward a couple more years uh, into my college days. Um, wasn't going to church, really. Um, not really or not at all? Not at all. I mean, well, I take that back. Uh, I was going every now and then because of my roommate uh, at the time he'd play for church. So I'd go see him play um, every now and then, but nothing consistent. I mean, we're talking maybe three services a year and not Christmas Easter. (laughs) Oh, so you weren't a CEO. No, I was not a CEO. I was not a CEO. For those who don't know, CEO stands for Christmas Easter only, also known as Creasters. So, yeah, I wasn't even that. I mean, I would go on like a random June Sunday. Um, and never when the when the uh, Lord's Supper was being served. Never, never that. So, um, so really, um, just kind of, you know, playing around college, partying all the time, making uh, very bad decisions with drugs and alcohol. And that's when my alcohol kind of took off. Um, unfortunately I, I struggle with alcohol very early in my adulthood. Um, so much to the point to where when I was living in an apartment with uh, another friend of mine, um, I'd have to do shots of Bailey's and my coffee just to get going. Um, and you know, me and Matthew have talked about this before, but you know, when I was dating his sister, I'd have such a problem with alcohol that our relationship almost didn't even start. And that's really where my testimony starts getting kicked off is I didn't have a solid foundation of faith under me. My wife at, you know, or my girlfriend at the time, uh, she was very grounded in her faith, grew up in a Southern Baptist church and, um, I didn't. So, you know, I, um, I remember that, um, we went to a, um, an event with uh, some friends and I was telling her a story 
about how I was the designated drunk. So basically what I was doing was I was the person who would drive around and let my friends get home and distract anybody else because I was the only one who could blow a breathalyzer without getting caught every time. Never, you know, that's nothing to be proud about for anybody listening. But um, that's that's the direction that my life was going. And um, so I asked Callie to marry me. And uh, at this time, I was working at Martin Sprocket and Gear, and I was the single guy in the sales department. And uh, so that meant, since I had no kids, I had no wife, that uh, I was the one left to entertain all the customers who would come in. So I had to take them out to gentlemen's clubs. I had to take them out for beer. I had to take them out for any entertainment that they came in town for. Um, and I remember one night I was at a place called Redneck Heaven. And uh, I was actually going pretty good. Uh, I was on my way to coming home before 2 a.m. Um, and Callie had texted me and said, hey, are you almost home? And I said, well, I haven't left yet. I'm actually waiting on your dessert. I ordered dessert to take her to her. You know, sorry for being away. And that was at like 9.30. And I didn't get home until almost 3 a.m. Uh, after making more bad decisions. So um, fast forward. We, um, actually are married at this point and, um, you know, no, I I take that back. We we weren't married. Um, I had come to Finette for the first time ever. And, um, she said, bring a change of clothes with you for church. And I was like, excuse me, I'm not going to church. She said, well, if you're not going to go to church, you can just stay, stay here and I'll, I'll go without you. Uh, she goes, because my family and I go to church on, on Sundays. So I was like, all right, fine. I threw a pair of nice jeans and a black polo in sheer Johnny Cash fashion. The default casual church attire. That's right. That's right. Um, and when I walked through the door, you know, I told her, I was like, I'm real nervous about coming here. Um, you know, my, my church going days were not that memorable. I didn't enjoy them. It was very uncomfortable. Um, she said, you'll be fine. So when I first walked in the door, I was immediately meted by this man named Robert Winter. Brother Scooter is what we call him now. And uh, he just shook my hand and said, Hey, you know, who are you? And, and you know, thanks for being here. And we hope you enjoy it. That, that was it. And I, I walked, you know, we walked to our pew and sat down. And I turned to Kelly and said, Was that really the preacher? She goes, Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Our preacher... Pastor never talked to anybody before service in the church I grew up in. Good old Scooter. And uh, I just, that was monumental to me that this guy you don't even know walking into your church. One, it wasn't a bombardment. And two, it was a very welcoming welcome to to a church that, you know, I clearly don't go to. Um, but, so those are, you know, that's, that's kind of beginning. And, um... You know, I um, started, you know, we we actually moved down here to Southeast Texas, uh, living with my in-laws and my co-host, my brother-in-law, Matthew Thibodeau. Hey. I was living in their house, and uh, while me and Callie, we were married at this time, we were trying to save up money for a down payment of a house down here in Southeast Texas. And uh, I was driving, well, it was about two and a half three hours one way to work on the northeast side of houston from finette texas and um 
driving home and trust me, nothing holy was going on in that car in Houston traffic. It was terrible. <laughs> and if you've ever driven through Houston traffic at rush hour, you know what I'm referring to. So, um, really, um, I started getting into these, uh, books called, I was really late to this game. I mean, really late to this game. It was the left behind series. Um, and actually Matthew helped facilitate getting the entire collection for me. Yeah. I was, uh, working at the radio station at the time and they were having some, uh, donation kind of drive so they could have a garage sales a nonprofit. So that was how they raised money and they had all the books and I got first dibs on them. So when he asked, he received. That's right. And, Santa. and let me tell you, I am not a reader. Um, I think I'm more of a reader now than I ever was um, pre coming to Christ. But I um, I blew through all nine of those books in like three months. It was crazy. Um, and the ne- the fall after I completed those books, I uh, went to church one Sunday, and uh, Scooter was talking about something. And I remember at the invitation, I walked up and said, I want to be a member of this church. And uh, he goes, okay, we'll just sit over there and we'll talk about it after the, um, afterwards. So we're talking, talking to Scooter a little bit and he goes, why do you want to join the church? And I was like, well, Scooter, I've been reading this book series called Left Behind and I really don't want to be left behind. And uh, he was like, all right, well, welcome to the church. We're happy to have you and we expect good things in the future from you. So... Fast forward a little bit more. Uh, I went on a double date with uh, my wife and her friend. I don't remember the, the friend's name, but I remember her husband was this real big cowboy dude. And, you know, he had pleated pants and start shirt and cowboy hat and a big old belt buckle. And I, uh, you know. Size of a dinner plate, right? Yeah, it has to be a size of a dinner plate in Texas. I mean, that's what you do. You know, that way you don't have to wash the dishes. You just take it off, you eat, and you put it back. Or maybe if you get tired, you can rest your chin on it. You that's know? right. That's right. And um, so I dressed as similarly as I could. You know, I had to be a macho man too. You know, so I had my Under Armour hunting shirt on with my nice jeans, my nice boots, and just a regular hat. So we went and saw this movie called God's Not Dead. And I have never been one for Jesus movies ever. And um, I'm sitting there watching this movie and I just felt a whole bunch of these new emotions going through my, you know, going through me. And we get to the car after our double date. We say our goodbyes and they leave and we're sitting there in the movie theater. What's the movie theater called? Tinseltown? Tinseltown. In uh, Beaumont. In Beaumont, Texas. And uh, I'm sitting there and I just come to tears i mean bawling like a baby and callie <laughs> you can say she's got this look of like mass confusion on her face and she just goes are you okay and i was like nope nope i'm not okay i'm not okay and i'm the opposite of okay <laughs> she's but like, i'm working on it that's right <laughs> so i'm sitting there crying and crying and crying so she we're driving home and uh she puts the uh she you know she she puts the question out what's wrong and i said finally for the first time in my life i have figured out i am not in control of it that i need to put my faith in god and 
that's what it that's what I have to do. So the following Sunday, again, Scooter's talking about something. I have no idea what he's talking about. Invitation, I rushed to the front and I said, Scooter, I want to be baptized. He's like, all right. Okay. So we talk about it a little bit more. And I've been baptized two other times before that one. I was actually baptized as a baby in the Methodist church. And then I was baptized again after conversation. Uh, confirmation in the Methodist church, but both times it was more of a, you have to do this thing more than a awakening moment, so to speak. So May 10th, 2015, I was baptized in, uh, Finette, Texas at first Baptist Finette by brother Scooter. And, um, I will say that, you know, putting my faith in Christ at that time, you know, it's kind of like a honeymoon phase. A little bit when, when you first come to Christ, a little bit and things it's start. A, it's a spiritual high for a while. Yeah, it and really the, is. And when you come down, you typically come down hard. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is, I am a new believer. I'm really diving into the Word, and I am living on cloud nine. But at the same time, I have a lot of things going on in my personal life um, that are not Christ-like behavior at all. And, uh, I was really angry and I think it had to do with something about settling into the life that I was in and not being, not really being a success that I wanted to be, uh, in retrospect, I was on the right path, doing the right things. I had a beautiful life. I had a beautiful wife. I was going to church, I had a good job. Um, but just, there was some emptiness in me that made me very angry, um, and so I went out and got counseling. Um, that was uh, that was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and I've conquered a lot of demons. I still struggle with anxiety, anger uh, today. But I can tell you, with a good support system and good friends and the Word of Christ, I I, I battle that demon. Every, it's just the cross that I have to bear. And, um, that's, that's really how I'm here today. And what's kind of interesting about that is, you know, there's a lot of, uh, stigmas that come out of the secular world, but a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of stigmas that come from the non-secular world. I, I once saw somebody having a, I think it was a picture meme, something that said, it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. Yeah. There's so many people that are just like, no, that's all you need. All you're just not praying hard enough. You're not devoting your life enough. And it's like, you know, we weren't meant to do this alone. And that's kind of, I guess, a stigma within a stigma. Yeah. Well, and I, I also look at it this way. There's, there's a lot of things, you know, chemically going on in your brain that there's an imbalance there. And sometimes you just need a third party who's not really invested in you in a day-to-day basis that you can talk to, they can listen and give you advice on how to conquer these things. I mean, they're, they're professionals. They, you know, I didn't, I did not seek out a counselor who would medicate me or anything like that. But at the same time, there are some people out there that need that, need that second layer of, of help. They need that medication. They need that, that second layer of, you know, help out there. So, you know, it's, it's really just depending on what you want, um, what is needed. But like Matthew said, it's okay to, have Jesus and a counselor at the same time. You know, we talked about that in our Sunday school class, uh, this past Sunday, 
you know. Um, our our pastor and who you know Robert Scooter, Robert Scooter, <laughs> Robert Winter, he uh, we'll, we'll just call him Scooter from now on. Yeah. Uh, his, his friends call him Scooter. Yes. Yeah. So we he uh, he came out in our Sunday school class and said that he suffers from depression and anxiety, and you're just like, how does a pastor suffer from pre- depression and anxiety? I mean, this guy walks around with the biggest smile I've ever seen. And, see, but, and you've known him as many years as I've known him. You you can see him pretty cranky from uh, time to time. <laughs> well, everybody can get cranky with you. You go on some long drives with him, and somebody suddenly says something to him, and he's just not having it. <laughs> so, but he's human. You yeah, know, it, it, I mean, it, that's that's the whole thing. We're all entitled to emotions, um, but it is how do we how do we turn those emotions for good? Instead of detrimental. So, uh, yeah, that's just, that, that's my testimony. Um, Matthew, I know you have kind of, kind of a longer one. I have a much longer one, but I'll condense it, other, condense it. Otherwise, we could end up being here for way longer than we want. And I got to fill in those jalapeno poppers that are my <laughs> way might get cold and I don't want cold jalapeno poppers uh, dude the cheese gets real grainy it, it it doesn't get it just gets so like it's almost like eating string cheese you know yeah like, like it, i like string cheese it's just in that context i want it to be runny right you want, want it, it to be more fresh viscous. fresh yeah like i don't want the i want the jalapeno to separate per bite i don't want it to just pull out because it's cold yeah you know, I mean, there's there's an art to jalapeno peppers. There is. You know, actually, one time I got one and the cheese was injected outside the jalapeno. I'll let that soak in for a second. Yeah, I don't know how I'd enjoy that. So basically, there was a jalapeno with crust around it and then a big bubble that had crust around it. And that was all the cheese. I don't know if I would enjoy that. I did. I enjoyed it. I like jalapenos. But anyway, so um, I kind of have the more chaotic, neutral uh, testimony. I never really had a, well, I guess, I guess that's not completely true, but I wasn't exactly one of those wild and crazy people beforehand. I was actually one of the wild and crazy people afterhand, if that's a word. Um, I guess like any American living in the Bible Belt, I grew up going to church, went to Calvary and Beaumont, and I mean, like any kid growing up in the Bible Belt, you know, you you almost have the assumption that you've attained salvation by uh, association, I guess we could say. You know, you don't really think about, you know, who goes to heaven, who doesn't go to heaven. I saw somebody got baptized. What does that mean? Okay, well, you know, whatever. I'm going to heaven anyway. Well, the only time I can ever really remember paying attention in church, because I did not like going there, because there was a million other things I'd rather <laughs> do, Um there was a lady there, and she was teaching our Sunday school class, and she had said, you know, what do you have to do to get into heaven? She said, nothing. Now, I don't know if that was part of a larger message, like there wasn't a checklist of things to do or you had to accomplish certain tasks. I don't know if that's what she was saying, but what I interpreted it as was universalism, which universalism, if you don't know, the gist of it is is everybody goes to heaven. And that's a, that's a big problem. In our society There's today. actually two types of universalists. There's the actual religion of universalism, and then there is liberal Christians, or what I like to call pseudo-Christians, which is pretend Christian, who is basically 
run away from the reality that not everybody goes to heaven and instead just pushed that aside and just ignored it to the point that they have forgotten that that's actually a reality, but I digress. So anyway, that was kind of my belief for a few years. And then one day, um, we moved from Beaumont to Finette in 2003, November of 2003. And, uh, I don't know, maybe two, yeah, two years later, three years later, two and a half years later, three years later, we'll 2000, split. summer 2006, however we'll long. S- we'll split the difference. Three years later. <laughs> I'm at a, uh, summer camp, a youth camp in Newton, Texas at the East Texas Baptist Encampment. I believe they've been sending kids there since the early 60s, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even longer. I made a collect call from there, so kind of let you know how long ago I've been going. How Do long you I've accept these charges from It's Your Baby Boy? That's exactly what I did, you know. <laughs> that, that's what you did. Anyway, um, and the preacher basically said, uh, the gist of it was is, almost the verse, you know, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord will enter the gates of heaven. And so I was like, well, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want that. So I walked up and made my profession of faith, but you know, it was what they call in the church fire insurance. If you've never heard that, you know, the idea of, I just want salvation just so I don't go to hell, not because I want a relationship with Christ, but because, or I was moved to anything. I just don't want the penalty. And so that was kind of what I did. And then the next day, I don't remember. It's been, you know, it's been 14 years since that happened. You know, I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Uh, he was preaching. And I don't know. I felt compelled to go talk to him. And I think that was kind of the more genuine salvation that day. But um, I think that's a thing, though, right, is the the decision on your heart is so great that you just kind of block out. Yeah, you just you just kind of go. Going, and you just you just kind of in a trance get up. And God is leading you to this man who's been talking to you. You know, it's like whenever you go to the meat market and you pick out the right brisket, you know, you didn't pick pick it up. You didn't throw it and see how far it slid down the aisle. You just said, this is the one. This is it. You know, but we were the brisket and God was the big burly guy choosing it to cook it. That's know? right. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting is though you get in that spiritual high. So you end up acting a certain way. You know, you're just this, I'm a Christian and I'm going to conquer the world. Here we go. I'm going to tell everyone about Jesus. And then that's honestly when you're at your most vulnerable. And so then became, then came a long, all through high school, just down, just down, 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 down. And um, prior to my salvation, I had had anger issues my entire childhood. I can go into in depth as to why I suspect I had those or where they stemmed from, but that's not really the important uh, part is just basically sometimes I would be triggered and I would just go off and make a scene. And uh, when I moved to a new school, kids learned that and they would just rag on me and rag on me and rag on me until I couldn't take it anymore because they knew, A, I wasn't going to do anything about it, and B, they get to watch a show and they get to make fun of me. And that just took a toll on me. And one day in the seventh grade, something happened at home. I'd rather not go into it. And I went to school and I was like, it's not going to take much to set me off today. I'm not going to school. So I go, I'm just hiding in the bathroom and somebody went and told on me. The principal comes in and uh, tells 
me to come with him. I go to the book room in the office, which if you went to Hampshire Finette Middle School, you know the exact book room I'm talking about. And I sat there, and I can't remember if they brought me my first period work or not. I just know I was sitting there, and then my mom came to pick me up, and I just heard her voice in the hallway. And I just remember suddenly everything was loud. Like, I don't mean like, is it loud in here? No, I'm talking like front row at Metallica concert, and there's two speakers in front of you loud. Like, everything was just piercing from voices down the hall to just the hum of the lights. It was loud. And so I'm like knelt down in a corner with my hands over my ears just trying to stop this. And not only that, but every voice I could hear, you know, it's just a different, I mean, just a distant mumble. I can't tell what they're saying, but in my mind, they're all talking about me. So then that's driving me nuts. And so that's when they sent me to a therapist. And it was more or less um, uh, obligatory therapy. It wasn't exactly anything to help me. It was just main reason was they got me on antidepressants, which helped a lot. But anyway, so I had that going on simultaneously with Salvation a few years later. And then after high school, I got to college and um, I got involved with the BSM. That's the Baptist Student Ministries. Became the worship leader there. Eventually, I became a youth minister. And I just became very active. Uh, Music ministry was what I did. I've been doing that for gosh, almost 10 years now. Well, on and off almost for 10 years. And um, Yeah, that's where you and I really connected. Yeah, and actually, uh, kind of side note, going back to your testimony, there was a, we had our worship leader, music director, and then we had another guy who also played and sang, and lo and behold, both of them were out one Sunday for one reason or another, so it became me, and I needed a bass player and a backup vocalist, which you did not provide one of those. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can get him here. And then fast forward a little bit, the other guy, not the music director, but the other guy left. So I go from bass to guitar, back to guitar, I'm better at guitar, and to get Wayne in to play bass because I was like, I know if he has one more reason to come to church, he'll come here more often, and that could be beneficial to his health. Yeah. And it worked, I think. Yeah. I don't, I, and I didn't even know that story up until like a day ago yeah like it was kind of crazy and now now look at me i'm the music minister of first baptist finette uh on on paper rebecca is the one that really leads. hey i don't (laughs) i don't take i don't take that credit she is wonderful and i love having both of y'all up there um you know i'm i'm usually nervous wreck on sundays because singing and playing for a for a group of people is the most nerve-wracking thing i've ever done but uh yeah and and even furthermore like I was actually more comfortable giving my first sermon on Father's Day than I was singing and leading people in worship. It was crazy. I I loved giving a sermon and I, you know it's just that's how far I've come. See I'm I'm in my element when I'm on a stage because and even if I get nervous I'm just like you know, I don't care. Cuz most of those people aren't really musical critics i could play every chord wrong and most of them wouldn't even notice so i don't really care (laughs) but anyway uh so yeah i got into music ministry and did all that and uh sometime after college i met this young girl who in hindsight you know how have you ever dated somebody and then well after the fact after it's over you're like man that was a bad idea i can think of a few yeah so anyway, I dated that girl, and it was just not a good thing. And 
Um, eventually I asked her to marry me, which was not a good thing. And it just kind of all deteriorated. And something I realized is, you know, I prayed every day. I read scripture every day during that time. But uh, you kind of look into where your faith is anchored throughout your life. You know, there's, I mean, you can put your faith, you know, you'll say your faith is in Christ, but a lot of times it's anchored in a preacher, a church, an event, something is what is like your source of going back. And for me, it was her. And when she was gone, so was the faith. And um, I remember that day that it ended. Um, I drove to her house. We went to church that morning. And, you, you know, you think, I think a lot of us think if we pray selflessly, and I'm doing air quotes on that one, to God, we'll get our way. But we're not, you know, I was praying, you know, you know, just let your will be your will. You know, if she's going to leave me, so be it. But in my mind, I was thinking, you know, if I just say that, then it'll turn out okay. You don't think it's actually going to turn out that way. And, um, I'm an LTC guy. I'm a licensed to carry guy and I had my pistol with me. And of course I didn't need it that day, just for whatever reason, the night before I just, for some reason brought it with me. And, um, she took off a ring, gave it to me, and I left her house and went and just sat in my truck, and I stared at that pistol for a long time. And then I drove home, uh, drove down a very long, hilly, curvy, well, maybe not mostly curvy, few curves, but mostly hilly uh, highway going 100 miles an hour with the pistol to my head, screaming at myself to pull the trigger. Uh, I had a Smith & Wesson 38 Special, the hammerless edition. I can't remember what model that is. But if you know anything about a hammerless revolver, it's a rather lengthy trigger. you got to pull it pretty hard and pretty far to fire a shot. Um, you know, If you're a photographer, it would be the equivalent of you have to hold the button halfway down before you can click it to take a picture. And um, I think, you know, had I grabbed my Springfield XDS, which is another fine pistol there, the same weight that I pulled that trigger would have been enough to pull it and there'd be a 45 caliber hole in my head right now. So, um, I can honestly say that was five years ago. I can honestly say I'm not the same guy I was before then. And my life just kind of trickled downhill ever so often. I would kind of crawl up out, then just fall right back down on my face. And so, I'm kind of in a coming back journey as we speak now. So I guess you could say I'm working on it. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole, <laughs> that's the whole purpose of this right now. Go into, uh, the best gift I ever received. Yeah. That was, uh, and for those of you who have never been to my house, what I'm referring to is this arcade Ninja Turtles and Ninja Turtles in time, which is my favorite video game of all time. Um, you know, Matthew just one day it delivered it on my doorstep, and I was like, I called probably every friend of my every childhood friend I ever had. And I was like, dude, I got the best brother in law in the world because he bought me this like $400 arcade game, and I assembled it. And me and my son play it every almost every week, yeah. And my son's only three, 
Yeah, he doesn't play very well. No, it's not very good. No. I have to carry the weight of two turtles on that game, but and, and the way around it is you got to tell him, "Oh, I'm sorry, you don't have any quarters. I can't let you play." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, he he knows how to turn it on and off, so that's not a bad thing. Well, Wayne learned the story of uh, that game, and so I guess it kind of tarnished the game, maybe a little bit, possibly, maybe. No, I, I think it brings a it holds a different different value for sure, but it's not a tarnished value. So if you're ever on Instagram, if anybody ever uses Instagram, I would encourage you to follow a page called The Depression Project. I'm actually going to pull them up just to kind of see uh, what kind of things they post. They post a lot of things about depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the very first thing they uh, uh, posted, the first thing, most recent thing posted three hours ago was, Eight consequences of depression that shouldn't be confused with laziness. Number one, struggling to get out of bed. This can be extremely difficult since physical fatigue is a symptom of depression. Also, staying in bed can be a survival strategy on the darkest days. Number two, watching excess TV. This can be a distraction from negative intrusive thoughts. Number three, taking days off from work. Depression drains your drains you of all your energy and prioritizing your mental health can be essential. And that's just kind of things they post as explanations of all these um, uh, mental health issues, mental health disabilities, whatever you want to call them. And, um, they post a lot about, uh, people who are suicidal. And one of the things to note, if you have a friend, a loved one, or just somebody, you know, who is very overtly depressed or just has some sort of mental health issue, if they suddenly decide to buy gifts for people, that's a pretty good indicator that they're telling you goodbye. There was a story I heard. Some guy threw this epic party and invited everybody he knew. And they all just had the time of their lives. And he made sure to tell every single one, you know, hey, you know, I'm glad you're here, blah, blah, blah. They left and he killed himself right when everybody was gone. So I was uh, just kind of home alone with my demons, which I kind of always was. I had a, I already lived a rather stressful life, had a stressful job. Um, stressful this stressful that I actually had so much stress in my life that I found out that under certain times I go blind to my peripherals I almost got in a wreck because of it and you got to be under a lot of stress for that to happen but um one of the things I would do when I was in those states is I would do things that were harmful now that doesn't necessarily mean cutting yourself or anything like that that could mean, um, for me, it could mean spending money I don't have. You know, I, I never made a lot of money, so I couldn't exactly go and drop 50 bucks on something, drop 100 bucks on this, something like that. Or maybe it could be um, going and eating a bunch of junk food. You know, I run a lot. I mean, I ran the Houston Marathon this past, uh, well, <laughs> it's been a year now. <laughs> I mean, COVID. I yeah. <laughs> I went and ran two miles before we got here at about 8.20 pace, which is a very easy pace for me, um, for a runner that's kind of slow. But anyway, um, so that night I decided to go to McDonald's and I was going to get like maybe two double quarter pounders or something and just chow down. I mean, I like McDonald's. I ain't nothing against McDonald's. It's just... They're, my favorite thing there is their fish sandwich. I'm like your dad. All right. All right. Anyway, um, I wanted to go and uh, dine in. Now, there's two kind of details you need to know about me. One, 
Every now and then I will put my phone on airplane mode just to charge it faster or because I just don't want people calling me and bothering me, which is a very powerful tactic. And uh, I still rock the iPod Classic. I've actually built one. This thing is ridiculous. I'm so envious of your iPod. I always wanted one of that model. And the fact that you built your own is nothing short of amazing. Yeah, because Apple doesn't sell them anymore. Uh, The reason they don't sell them anymore is because it was the best product they ever made. And whenever you have a product that good, people aren't buying more of them and you don't make as much money as you could. So suck it, Apple. I beat you at your own game. (laughs) Uh, People ask me how old it is. I'm like, well, on average... The back and the battery are from 2008. I think the screen is from two years ago. The brains is from a refurbished one from 2016. Uh, the lock switch and the holds and the uh, uh, charging port are like a year old. And the front is from a refurbished one I bought in 2013. So it's crazy. No, 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 no. A new one I bought in 2013. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a zombie iPod. So built isn't really the right word. Assembled is really, anyway. Anybody who knows me, I don't leave home without it. I am very obsessive over music. I remember when your first one got stolen out of your truck. Oh, man, I was furious. Like, I was like, we should probably lock him up because he's going to go around breaking everybody's car trying to find yeah, it. Yeah, that was uh, 2013, yeah. And I was so, because what you didn't know is I had the same one from 2008 up until about 2012 or 2011, somewhere thereabout. And it broke. Um, really, I knew today I would know how to fix it, but back then, you know, it, it was a lot harder to do. And so I hadn't had this one for very long, and then it got stolen, which was really frustrating. But anyway, I left it at home. I just plum forgot it. I didn't even think about it. And so I go to McDonald's. They're drive-through only, and I didn't feel like going through the drive-through. I wanted to go just be away from home, so I go to the other side of town in, in uh, Nacogdoches to the one on North Street. And I forgot where I was going. And I just drove right past it like a mile later, if that. Nacogdoches is very small. Um, I kind of realized, oh, wait, where was I going again? And so I thought, you know what? I haven't driven around Lufkin late at night in a very long time. So I'll go do that. So I go down, exit, go down Timberland Drive. Hadn't been down Timberland Drive at night and probably, uh, what year was that? That was 2019. It had probably been about three years Four years, four years since the last time I'd done that. So I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. Get to into Timberland Drive to South or to First Street. Take First Street to the highway. And I thought, you know what? I haven't. I'll just go to Livingston. I like driving. I'm, I'm driving. So I go to Livingston and I thought, you know what? I haven't taken 190 from Livingston to Woodville in a while. So I'll do that. So I get to Woodville. And if you're familiar with a map of East Texas, which Apparently, I'm more familiar with a roadmap of East and Southeast Texas than a lot of people are because tell, I've told this story so many times that people are like, wait, what? <laughs> so when you get to Woodville, I was thinking, well, I can take 69 back up to Lufkin and go home. But, you know, the thought of that just kind of felt defeating. So I was like, well, I can go all the way down 190 to 96, take 96 up to San Augustine and take 21 back to Nacogdoches. But I was like, eh. And then I was like, I can go all the way to Beaumont, but then I'd just be turning around and coming back unless I go from to Beaumont over to 96 and through like, uh, what is that, Buna and Silsby and all that. But didn't do that, so I just ended up staying the night in Woodville at a hotel. And uh, when I got up, I could have called work. 
you know, I knew the number. I could have called him and said, hey, you know, made up an excuse and said I'm not going to be there. But I just didn't care. It just was meaningless to me. And so um, I'm just trying to kill time and I go to Walmart. I don't like Walmart. I'm anti-Walmart. I'm one of those people who says Target is where you spend a little bit extra just to avoid Walmart. You know, it's funny. Callie went to Walmart last night and she went up there to get like a couple things and she wouldn't ask the door grader if they were having any more carts pulled in. And they said, no, you'll have to go to the parking lot and get your own. And she looked at him and goes, this is why I shop at Target. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm just wandering around the Woodville Walmart. And that's when I saw those arcade cabinets. That's actually the real name of arcade games, if you didn't didn't know that. Because it's essentially a cabinet with a TV and a gaming console inside of it. Yeah, I learned a lot putting it together. Yeah. I'd imagine that's not the exact build no. as the old ones, but because that's no. a flat screen TV, not a CRT. TV. And all you do is plug it in, and you're done. <laughs> plug it in, plug it in. Um, bought it. I don't remember. I think it was like three or four hundred dollars. I can't remember exactly how much it was. I think it was three forty nine ninety nine. You looked it up. Yes. Okay. Because I, I was remember. like, how much does this guy spend? I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway, I uh. So I drive all the way down here to Nederland. That's about, what would you say, about an hour and a half drive? Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. And drop it off. I ended up getting my McDonald's. I went and ate McDonald's on Nederland Avenue. Uh, went home. I was going to go talk to Scooter at the church, but uh, the tropical storm, what was that? Was that a Melda? Yes. It was a Melda. had hit, and the church had flooded, so there's a bunch of people working there. And I was like, well, can't go there. And so I just was going to go home and kill myself. I was going to go there to my parents' house, and once again, I couldn't make myself do it. And I have I usually tell people I've held a gun in my head so many times that I swear I heard somebody laughing at me knowing that I wouldn't do it. And so now I've just kind of accepted the reality that I'm not going to do it. So I get in my truck, I'm heading home, and I just felt defeated. And I thought, screw it. And I just went to the beach, because why not? And so I go to the beach, drive on the beach. It was November. It was low tide, very nice weather, sun setting, no wake at all. Water's like glass, just beautiful day. And I get back up on the highway. I was going to head into Galveston. And uh, the song uh, Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones came on. Now, I don't know why. Sometimes the lyrics of a song can take you to an emotional state. Sometimes just the music of a song can take you to an emotional state just sometimes the feel of the song for whatever reason i heard that song and i just felt free i just felt a sense of freedom of like of just nothing else mattered i was just kind of in my own place kind of thing and i felt good you know it's just i, I felt good so i go to galveston i get something to eat on the seawall uh and then i thought <clears throat> you know what? i haven't taken 59 all the way from Galveston to Nacogdoches before. <laughs> so I do that. And anybody who's done that, that's a long drive. That's a long drive. That is a very long drive. I've that's done it marathon. from Houston, but not from Galveston. That's a marathon. I've actually, I actually did it from uh, uh, from Houston with uh, issues in my truck. There was some valve or something that was stuck open. So basically your truck, your RPMs would go up, but your speedometer didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and I drove from Houston to Nacogdoches like that, and that was awful. Yeah. Awful. Imagine getting on the highway and you got to gun it so you don't get in a wreck and you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Wasn't fun. 
Yeah, I can imagine that. Anyway, I get home, and then my parents are at my place in Nacogdoches, and I found out I've been reported missing. So that was fun. It was a scary day. Yeah, apparently a lot of people were really worked up. So Yeah, yeah. And the fact that on the day that you disappeared, that should be a song you write. <laughs> the day I disappeared. The day you disappeared. The day you disappeared, and I have this package on my shop steps yeah put it in the backyard because i was like if somebody steals this i'm gonna be mad yeah and uh i was like you know i remember asking your sister i was like what in the world made your brother think of me on the day he disappeared honestly every time i see ninja turtles i think of you that's not a bad association no it's not (laughs) but it was uh you know for the longest time up until you told me the real story it was I was like, man, I, I don't know what kind of imprint I ever gave this kid because when we first met, it was uh, <laughs> a lot of misunderstandings. A lot of misunderstandings. Um, honestly, I don't think if I hadn't lightened up or whatever, we probably wouldn't be in this room together. No, nah, we had our share of funny moments. We did. It was, um, you know, the first real encounter I had of Matthew Thibodeau was a Black Friday shopping trip and let me tell you coming from a guy who does not do black friday shopping i come into this family who makes a sport of it well actually i my dad and my sister do i don't i was just kind of along for the ride and they were mad at me because i was like i bought a pillow (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah we're (laughs) staying so anyway that's the only thing i I remember no i bought a pillow and i bought and you and i bought some shorts and coals yeah it calls next so, to a very pregnant woman. Like she was due three days earlier, pregnant, right. like that. And uh, so we're sitting outside of Coles, and it's like one thirty in the morning, and uh, we, Matthew is attempting to tell me a joke, and he says, "Hey, do you know what I'm tired of hearing art majors say?" And I reluctantly look at him and go, "What?" And he goes, "Do you want fries with that?" And I turned to his sister, my wife, and I was like, he does know that I'm an art major, right? Like, furious, furious. But that is nothing compared to the time we went to the Texas State Fair. South Texas State South, Fair. South Texas. The so, real Texas <clears throat> Fair is what Matthew <laughs> called it. I'm like, dude, this is like a third of the size of the Texas State Fair. But it's just as unhealthy and probably twice as dangerous. So. It's, I will say, it's probably, it feels more Texan to me now. It does. Yeah. That one just feels too commercialized yeah. and too DFW to be yeah, Texas. It's, it's um, it, I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel more Texan living in Southeast Texas than I did when I lived in DFW. So uh, one time I was on a ski lift and uh, some people were saying they're from Texas and uh, they said, uh, I said, oh, where are you from? And they said, oh, we're from Austin. And I went, that's the least Texas city in Texas. <laughs> the capital of our state is the least. And I was like, that's East California. And they're like, well, we're from California. And I was like, oh, there makes, you go. Makes sense. And then another one goes, well, I'm from Dallas. I was like, that's the second least Texas city in Texas. <laughs> yeah, when people ask me where I'm from, I do not claim Dallas. I say, I'm from Fort Worth. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, where, where in Fort Worth? Oh, I'm from Mansfield. And they're like... Oh, you live in the ritzy parts of North Texas. Yeah, it was funny. Like, uh, it wasn't ritzy when I was growing up, trust me. Scooter, some years ago, was on a ski lift in Colorado, and he had a conversation with a guy that went like this. 
Well, I'm from Texas. Oh, where about? Well, I live in Houston. Oh, if you live in Houston, I, I'm from Beaumont. Oh, if you're from Beaumont, I'm from Beaumont. Oh, if you're from Beaumont, I'm from Finette. You know, it just kind of trickled <laughs> yeah, down. Just trickled, got narrower and narrower and narrower. But we're in we're in Southeast Texas. It's not narrower, narrower. It's narrower, narrower, narrower. Tell tell them about the tell them about the anyway, joke you cracked. So you got to hear it from my mind, so that way I don't sound like just a complete jerk. Yeah, I would ruin the story for everybody. So if I, told I it. saw this guy. Waiting in line, uh, I guess at a stand, food stand, one of them, and uh, he was wearing uh, sweatpants. He and a and a I don't know, his t-shirt tank. He I looked. Think, I think it was a tank top. He looked comfortable. I mean, this was a guy who was like, you know what? I'm comfortable. I don't care what I look like. This guy was like 450 pounds. Yeah. Don't be generous. He was a little bit bigger than that. Biggin. He was a biggin. Now see. Texas stereotype. <laughs> no, that's a Walmart stereotype. Right there. <laughs> And, uh, but I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, you know what? He's comfortable. He is living his life the way he wants to live. And I look at Wayne and say, Wayne, give it five years. You'll be that guy. Oh, so man. (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, I think Matthew realized that was like one of a few times that I really wanted to punch Matthew in the face. See, if you had punched me, I would have been so confused. <laughs> You'd be like, wait, what? what? I was just talking about it. You look, he looked comfortable. You, look comfortable. And, and, you know, you want to be comfortable. So, yeah, that's, that was, that was the beginning of our relationship. And then, uh, let's take a break and we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll go uh, eat we'll, some jalapeno poppers. We'll, we'll bring it back after, after your little feast. And, uh, we'll talk about, the fun times we had. Yeah. And we're back. Brought to you by nothing yet, but we're working on it. We're working on it. You know, it's funny. Uh, we uh, went out for a little while. How long would you say we were? What? Seven ta- 17 hours? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. No, it was really like 30, 40 minutes, something like that. 30 minutes. Just enough for you to enjoy your cheddar peppers. But thanks to the power of audacity and audio editing. It's like we were never gone. Yeah, we were never gone. Never gone. Kind of like Blink-182. How were your cheddar peppers, by the way? They were good, but... Just like we talked about. Just like we talked about. We got there a little too late. A little too late. <laughs> so, you know, there was a time. Uh, when thank I was goodness the, for air fryers. There was a time I was still at the news station. Uh, somebody had bought pizza, and I went, and uh, the last box there opened it up, and it was empty. That's probably the saddest feeling. We well, see. I made it worse because I was like, "Why wouldn't you throw it away?" Then I remembered a meme I saw, so I got a sharpie. No, no, no. I got a piece of paper and a pen, and I wrote, if you're reading this, you're too late. And I put it in the box and left it in there. <laughs> yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh, kind of reminds me of the jokes we play when we're together. Oh, we play lots of jokes. Hey, your mom thinks that we're the funniest people. I think so. I think so. Every time she comes down and you and I get to talking... She's like playing a match of ping pong with her eyeballs. It's just ping, 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 ping. Yeah. And it's funny because eventually one of us, the taller, skinnier version of us, is going to say something just really weird. Off the wall. I I prefer weird. I prefer off the wall. Because it's like there's off the wall, then there's just, huh? 
You, you got to get the Tim Allen from uh, Home Improvement. That's that reaction. <laughs> you know, that's that one. Like, it's not just a, oh, well, that's weird. No. <laughs> Should we try to do the um, canon Star Wars intro again? What, what did we do? Then? The THX sound? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, how, how did we get on that subject? I don't know, I but it was awesome. Yeah, we were talking like, you know, we, uh, of course, we grew up, we were talking about George Lucas the other day, and um, we were saying, you know, I was saying he's a better businessman than he was a filmmaker, and one of his trademarks was THX, which y'all remember from watching the tapes growing up, you know, it's all the THX, and then just... <sighs> But it was a lot more intense. And way louder. louder. You're like, oh my goodness, what is going on? It was frightening. It, it really was. was. I mean, when I was a little child, watching anything George Lucas with THX sound system on it, I was like turning down the TV immediately. It was just so aggressive. It was. And like unnecessarily, like unnecessarily aggressive. I mean, because I didn't have speakers to support that sort of sound system. I'm going to look up and see if there's a word for unnecessarily aggressive. But um, while he's doing that, we're gonna we're gonna take a trip down memory lane to the fun stuff that we did when we first met each other. And the best one that comes to mind again revolves around Sonic and a little person we know as Jubilee. Now you probably asking. Do we know a person named Jubilee? And you, and you see, there's a connection to the story because what did we just eat? Sonic. Sonic. Well, I think she may have even gotten it. No, she probably went to Needle and Avenue. She so did. She, yeah, she didn't go to the other one. No drive-thrus there. Yeah. Just so, pull-up windows. Uh, a number of years ago, I think it was maybe five, six. Something seven. like that. It was when we first moved here. Okay, yeah, it would have been about six years ago. Yeah. Um, I was driving the three of us. And uh, we just gone somewhere to eat. Was that the same night as the smashed potatoes? Or was yes. That a, okay. No, it was the same night. So we're at Texas Roadhouse, and um, I just wanted to mess with the waitress. I'm never, I'm never mean with them. I don't like to be mean to people. You know, I'm, I'm like, I go out of my way to be polite to waiters. Ever since I saw the movie Waiting. Oh yeah, that movie. Yeah, you better mind your p's and q's whenever the you're. The first rule: <laughs> don't mess with people preparing your food. Exactly. Anyway. If you haven't watched that, it's just a disclaimer. I watched it in my previous life. There's nothing holy about it. No, not one bit. But there's a lot of life lessons in that movie. Well, there's really just one. Primarily, don't mess with people preparing your food. Or associated with your food. Yeah, don't just or be... Or near food. Be super nice to them. Yeah. So, anyway, we were there and... Um, yeah, I got mashed potatoes as a side. You know, every now and then I like doing that. Like, I used to order omelets uh, when I was in college at the omelet line, and you had to tell them what you wanted in it. And I, uh, one day I just said, instead of potatoes, I said potatoes. I just was curious. And I get this, meat, cheese, and potatoes. What? <laughs> potatoes. What? Potatoes. Oh, potatoes. The girl next to me goes, where are you from? <laughs> and I went, Finette. She goes, oh, <laughs> where is that? And I was like, oh, about 10 minutes that way. Yeah. Then why would you say it that way? Why not? Just because. Or porque si. That's what they'd say. <laughs> Spanish. Anyway, <clears throat> so we're at Roadhouse. And uh, I ordered mashed potatoes, but I was like, and uh, for my side, I like smashed potatoes. Not mashed potatoes. Smashed potatoes. 
And then you intercede with... I came in there and I said, totally different process. From the, that was the Twix commercials. Yeah. Cloaked in chocolate, covered in chocolate. Totally different process. Totally different process. Yeah. And it, it was just funny, you know, it wasn't anything. And then she would play along with it. She comes back with your smashed potatoes. Like, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, one thing I remember she did say was she said, my pleasure. No, that was a different waitress. That was, okay. Different that was a different one, one because and we both she just kept kinda... saying it. She kept saying my pleasure. And eventually I had to ask, like, did you used to work at Chick-fil-A? She said, no. <laughs> I hear that a lot. That I just say my pleasure a lot. Then at one point she comes to the table and says, how is everything? And I was like, pleasurable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she liked that very much. So, so go to Jubilee. So go to Jubilee. We're uh, waiting in... Uh, where I went to the drive-thru in Sonic. I didn't go to the drive-thru. We were just trying to get a ice cream and go. It wasn't anything. And uh, For whatever reason, I decided I wanted to order in an English accent. And I don't mean like a, yes, I'd like a, a vanilla shake, please. No, it wasn't anything like that. It was, oh, yes, sir. Thank you, my dear madam. I would very much like one of you. And before I could finish, you intercede with some like, hey, what? I don't know what you're saying. I don't remember what I said, but it was in a... It was in a very old woman English accent. And whiny, too. Yeah. It was like, I said, no, I want this, I want that. And I said the first thing that came to my head without missing a beat. There was no pause between anything I was saying. Oh, yes, my dear madam. Be quiet, Jubilee. Like, just (laughs) knows. That was the first thing that came to my head. And uh, he says something else. I was like, be quiet, Jubilee. I'm not going to tell you again. I'm so sorry. As I was saying, I would very much like to sample one of your... And then he says something, and I'm just yelling at this point. That's it, Jubilee! Get out of the bloody truck! You're not coming home! <laughs> By that time, the lady who is taking our order... Oh, she's losing it. She is halfway hung out. No, this is before that, because I still have to finish my order. <laughs> That's right. That's right. She's laughing on the other end. We pull around. She's sprinting to the window, hanging out, wanting to see who it I was. I mean, I've never seen a lady... That far out the window. She was young, too. She was just, probably maybe in high school or something, yeah. but we made their night, and it was really, really funny. It was. And they, uh, the manager came out and was like, here are the, it was uh, these poker chips that said, uh, good for a free cherry limeade, and it was uh, redeemable within 60 days of being given, which is such an ambiguous thing. There's no date. Yeah, there's no date. So I'm like. Well, it's these been are, like six years, and I still have them. So these are still good. These are still good because I could, I could lie about the date I was given. And then I could just be like, I could look at like what a day on other planets is, and be like, well, hey, look, it didn't specify <laughs> Earth days. Yeah, is, is it Mercury that the day is longer than the year? Uh, I think so. I think yeah, one of them. So I could be like, hey, you didn't specify Earth. So well, I mean. Just in the simplest form of it is literally just a token. Yeah. It says it's free for this. Yeah. My dad, uh, my dad's old 86 Nissan years ago. Uh, do you remember whenever you could go and you'd buy a Coke, either in a Coke machine or at a convenience store? And uh, it was like, it would either say, please try again, or you want a free Coke? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he found a free Dr. Pepper, but it was a, a tin bottle cap from like a glass bottle. And he's like, do you think they'll still redeem it? And I was like, yeah. A museum might. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, that that was the fun stuff. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, I had to keep the joke going because the guy was like, you made her night. I was like, what are you talking about? We didn't make you not. She's not coming home. She's not. She's not coming home. And I remember finding a quarter on the ground outside. I was like, I'm not leaving that there. I opened my door and reached down and picked up a quarter. Like, I don't make a lot of money, man. That's a bonus. <laughs> that's 
I mean, that's, I mean, you find a quarter, that's a good, that's a good coin. You, know, you find a penny, it's like, oh, look, a penny. You find a quarter, it's like, get out of my way. Yeah, it's like, you know, they have the, they have the saying, right? See a penny, pick it up. All day long, you'll have good luck. I'm like, see a quarter. I'm gonna clock you, man. <laughs> give me, give me a quarter any day of the week. See what 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 rhymes with quarter? Porter. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. Give me. Don't pick up that quarter. Or I'll send you to the corner. So, coronor, not corner. Cora coronor. But so, what do you got going on, man? What are you doing these days? Well, um, as the aforementioned mental health episode. I uh, lost my job at the news station. I'd worked there for four years, and then they decided to fire me just like that. Dude, that was a that was a question that was asked to me in Sunday school this past Sunday. It was well. The question was, "What was your greatest fear that you you had to face?" And I answered it as almost losing my wife because that was the greatest fear. I mean. This is a substantial woman who literally, I don't think there's another female in the world that could put up with my stuff. Like yo, mama, she did it for many years, and she's glad I'm out of the house. So, so Callie just took over. <laughs> Callie took over, and a lot more baggage at that. <clears throat> so, uh, I mean, I was going into that realm. But see, yo, mama has to. She had to deal with it. She she did. I mean, for, she can't dump you at the Indian reservation for a long time. So, but Scooter asked me. He goes, "Well, what about when you lost your job?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I did lose my job. I lost my job July twentieth of this year for yeah, COVID." Well, that wasn't a very good day for me. Well, my dad's birthday is kind of a weird day too. So, yeah. but. I was like, it was a lot easier for me to lose my job because I had faith. It was a lot easier for me to to handle that. And the fact that I've learned how to carry my, you know, carry my cross of anger management and anxiety management. But, you know, for a lot of people out there right now, that's a, it's a serious thing. Yeah. You know, it, that's very detrimental and especially someone in your position, you're on your own income. One of, one of the things, um, you know, when you work in a news station, there's a lot of a lot of things you have to write, a lot of things you have to do that you're not exactly happy about. Um, I'd say if you're ever looking to do any sort of news, you really have to bury your morals. You have to do a lot of things you're not going to want to do. You're going to have to do a lot of things you don't agree with, and you're going to have to do a lot of things because at the end of the day, news is a business, and you have to put stuff out there that's going to make people talk and make people watch you and make sponsors want to buy ad space. But you got some pretty good kickback perks. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I mean, I, you get to meet. There's the a deer head hanging yeah, in my shop. A, that's... that's a long story, though. <laughs> yeah, you get to meet a lot of interesting people, and... um. You know, you, you have Forrest Gump moments. It's like, so I had to go see the governor again. I had to go interview him again. I had to boss him around so that way he would be in the right place again. Hey, you got to meet Miss Kay. I got to meet Miss Kay and Al. And Al. Al, Al is on a new podcast that I watch yeah. while, I, while I'm at home all day. You watch it or listen to it? Both. Oh. Well, really, I just listen to it while I'm working. Uh, but it's on YouTube. It's unashamed with jason phil robertson and alan's like a main state 
yeah. in there because you know he's the beardless preacher brother. Yeah. Well, he's not a preacher anymore, actually. But anyway, so whenever they fired me, they gave me a sixty-day notice, and um, uh, what was interesting is my last day of my contract would have been January fourth. But with the 60-day notice, it extended, I think, to like the 20th or something like 24th, something like that. can't remember exactly when, but it was longer either way. And so I had a little bit more time, and I mean, I applied everywhere. I mean, I applied to a couple of news stations, and in hindsight, I kind of realized, like, sometimes, like, you're just so caught up, like, making sure that you're getting the job that you want, that you talk the people out of hiring you. Um, There was one in San Antonio, two in San Antonio, actually, or in the San Antonio market, that talked to me and then they ended up not calling me back. Uh, there was here in Beaumont. I came and interviewed and uh, they never called me back, which was kind of disappointing. But I get to watch uh, Beaumont News and every time they have a reporter that does something just stupid or makes mistakes, that I'm like, I couldn't even make those mistakes in a freshman class. Like, how are you on TV <laughs> doing that? I'm just like, well, you know what? They turned me down. So, it's all right. But uh, I ended up getting a job at. Um, Another place taking pictures and doing video. And I was like, great, yeah. Ended up being, I mean, it was a very mundane, you know, they didn't want a creative type. They wanted somebody who would just follow a set list and do things. And I was still adding other things for them. And then just one day they just came in, waited till I finished work and said, hey, today's your last day. No warnings, no anything else. And you're just kind of like, well, that sucks. Yeah. And so, you know, and that was after COVID. And so nobody was hiring, like, you know, with your job, you know, on paper, it was COVID that you lost your job. But in reality, they just saw an opportunity to downsize. Oh, yeah. And used it as an excuse. That's a lot of that's a lot of what's going on, unfortunately. I mean. And it's so easy to just sit there and be mad at the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it really is. And, um, you know, I'm not, you know, when I lost my, my job, it's no secret that my household is basically run on my income, um, you know, and. I'm, I'm you, you wear the pants in this house. Uh, monetarily. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, right now you are wearing pants, and I'm very grateful for yes, it. Yes, so. I'm wearing pants for sure. Pajama pants. See, I don't. I'm not a pajama pant guy. I gotta. I gotta go shorts. I, I just get too hot, man. I have shorts under my pajama pants. Ooh. Double layer. Double layer. It's when I went, went walking earlier today, uh-huh. and then I came back and my legs were super cold. So even after I got done walking, they were so cold. Anyway, you know, a lot of people are losing jobs. And, you know, nowadays it's so hard. It's so much harder to get a job, depending on who you ask, really, today. Because um, if I walked somewhere and said, hey, I want to work here, all they're going to tell me is, okay, go, on, go online and apply. And there's going to be thousands of applicants. They're not going through those applications. No. They're going to wait until somebody says, hey, I know so-and-so. And they've applied. You know, theirs goes to the top of the list. And it's so discouraging. And um, I was thinking, you know what? I'll just get back into news. And so I uh, went to a company. Oh, what company was it? Any other day of the week, I could have told you the name of them. Uh, it's all right. We don't want to name drop that. No, just the company that owns uh, these stations. Good grief. Any other day, I could have told you. Same company that owns Channel 12 in Beaumont. It's not Sinclair. It's not Nexstar. Uh, Raycom. Raycom. Was it Raycom? Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, went to their website, and uh, 
I went to apply for all these stations. I must have clicked on, you know, I like to open things in a new tab just so I can keep track of things, you know. And I must have clicked on at least 20 different stations that I could apply to all across the country, only to find out that the uh, website isn't working. So when you uh, click apply, it just redirects you back to the homepage. Yeah. And so you're like, <sighs> and all that time looking for them for nothing. And so you get on Indeed, you get on other companies' websites, you get on college websites, you get on government jobs, which, ugh, working for the government. <laughs> Don't want to do that. I mean, you apply everywhere and you just, you know, you start tallying them up and you're, you're on unemployment. And so you want to be honest and, and ask you how many contacts have you made. And so that would be how many job applications have you sent? How many people have you talked to about a job? How many have you saw looking into and so it's like okay this week i had 15 this week i had 30 this week i had eight and that number starts getting smaller and smaller because eventually you'll apply something and it'll say hey your application is already here and you're just kind of like oh okay yeah it's like when i got laid off i I had applied for my goal was to apply for 11 jobs a day and i got up to like five weeks I've applied for jobs. I had a few callbacks just because of my resume, I think. But, you know, I was actually looking to do more outside sales stuff. And they give you an algorithm test to take now. And I'm like, how is this going to grade how much money that I can pull in, a com- pull in for a company based on these answers? And a lot of times they do those tests because they want to know who is willing to do the most mundane things that are the most insulting to your intelligence. I remember years ago, I applied to work. I think it was at Lowe's. I think it was at Lowe's. And uh, they had this like 150 question test of just random things. And I was like, eventually, after like 50 questions, I was like, all right, this is stupid. And so I was just like, A, 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 just kept going. I'm like, there's no point. Like, if you're going to make somebody go through this much, it's like, I'm just going to go talk to the manager and be like, huh, oh, yeah, I did go to school with your son. Hang on, I need to get on Facebook and friend him and reconnect with him or something. You know how I got my first job ever? So I was just turned 16. I got my first truck, and my dad had gone into the pantry and saw that we were out of saltine crackers. And he threw the box at me and he said, go get a job, go pick up me some crackers and don't come home until you have both. So I went to Tom Thumb I went up to the manager and I said, sir, I'm not allowed to go home until I have a job. And he said, well, lucky for you, we're hiring. Can you start on Monday? I said, sure can. <laughs> so I was gone maybe a grand total of 30 minutes. See, that is very fortunate. That's old school job getting. That's a small town thing that just, you know, I mean, when I was in high school, I was applying and I could have gotten a job and my painfully stupid 16 year old self did this. I went to the video store in town and I mean, I impressed, I really impressed them there, you know, with my, I mean, I, I'm very good at math and uh, once you get to like, more complex formulas, that's when I'm not. But just simple math, I'm a whiz kid at that. And I know movies. I know movies. Matthew knows movies. He has a very extensive movie collection, for See, sure. mine's about quant- uh, quality over quantity. Uh, that's an opinion. Well, some opinions are more right than others. <laughs> but uh, anyway, 
my stupid self, whenever they give me a schedule, like, hey, does this work? I go, hey, can I work these two days instead of those two days? Because Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles comes on that day, and I'd really like to be home and watch it. And then the next day, it's like, hey, it turned out he's not hiring. And I was just like, I have kicked myself. Like, so what year is it now? I've kicked myself for like more than a decade. Like, why were you so <laughs> stupid? It's all right, man. I had, when I was hiring for uh, positions at uh, Valen here, I had a kid come in and tell me, he goes, I'm only going to work Tuesdays and I'm only going to work half day on Thursdays. And I was like, I think we're not here. I think we're done. (laughs) But, you know, it's so easy. When I was in college, I read a book by Max Lucado. I like Max Lucado because, you know, I was trying to read the deeper stuff, like the John Piper stuff. Of course, John Piper, you read some of that stuff and you go, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, John. I had like a 2.82 GPA. I need at least a 3.9 to understand what you're talking about. But uh, Max, Max Licato says things like, um, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. You know, he's, he's very simple-minded and keeps things. And he wrote a book called It's Not About Me. And in the first chapter, he talked about Copernicus. And if you don't know who Copernicus is, he was an astrologer, astronomer, one of them. I forget which one is which who first said the radical idea that the earth is not the center of the universe and that the uh, sun is not revolving around the earth, but instead it is the earth revolving around the sun. And he kept coming back to that, the idea that we're not the center of the universe, we're just here. Uh, One of the quotes he put in, I have it written down somewhere, I'd have to scroll for a while to find it, but um, said something along the lines of... um, when heaven's stagehands direct the spotlight to the center of the universe, I need no sunglasses, no sunshine falls on me. And that's something that is so hard to do, especially in today's world, because you sit there and you get rejection, not even rejection, you don't even get a call back at jobs you apply for, and you just want to sit there and say, why me? You know, you look at this other guy who is, you know, the most useless person you've ever met, and you're like, how did he get a job? <laughs> I can do circles around this guy. And you just want to sit there and say, why me? But it just. But the good thing is, I mean, really, it's kind of a blessing in disguise for you because you're going back to school. You're going to do something that you're going back to school. Yeah. I mean, you're getting qualified to do instrumentation. You start in the spring <clears throat> at LIT. And uh, I mean, really, you found kind of a love being on your own of tinkering with little, you know, gaming consoles and yeah. taking things apart and putting electronics back together. I mean, your iPod yeah, that you built. That's, that's I mean, you know, who's to say that this is not a greater step forward in a, in a better place for yeah. you? I would have liked uh, computer science, but they did more coding, and I'm more of a fan of hardware than software. I mean, software is interesting to me, but I'm just... I, uh, I was a fan of the IT crowd, and you find out how accurate that TV show is. <laughs> You know, hello, IT, have you tried turning it off and on again? Are you sure your machine is plugged in? Okay, that was it. All right. I just don't want to do that. Yeah, my um, I, I sat with IT at my first company for, I think it was like two days. And I got to read the help desk comments that came across. And one of which said, I lost my dollar in the vending machine. I'd like it back. Okay. And I'm like... The IT department does not dictate the vending machine errors. But it's so, a machine. Sorry. <laughs> with a screen and characters on it. 
You have to contact Coca-Cola. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's not about me and all that kind of stuff would be a really good topic for a future yeah. podcast. But yeah. That's kind of us and kind of our stories and kind of kind of guys we are. Um, yeah. On the uh, we're, we're definitely like, if you were to go out and look for the air quote Christian man and go and have this expectation, we're not that. <laughs> No, I, I definitely And don't. I wouldn't say that like in a bad way. It's just there's a certain, I don't want to say stereotype, but a certain mold you look for in a person who fits that idea or description. We're kind of unique people. Like if I, I once described myself as part hippie, part country, and part nerd, which is a very I think interesting. That, I think that kind of fits me. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I will sit there and talk about Star Fox 64 and beat everyone's high scores I've ever met. I don't want to talk about that game. Oh, no. no I know you don't. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> or I can sit there and talk about the real canonical Star Wars. I like all Star Wars. Pre-Disney. I like all Star Wars. But then at the same time, we can go deer hunting and Yeah, and we're, do that. we're still at home. Or I can be like, man, I don't want them to cut down these trees. I really like going through the... Through the woods and just being in nature, you know, man. <laughs> I just want to bring out my guitar and walk around barefoot. I'm, yeah. I'm not as Cajun as I used to be. I can't walk around barefoot anymore. I mean, we go crabbing. We go crabbing, man. That's man. That's just fun. Yeah, that is just a lot of. That's fun. like fishing, but exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, and it's way the, less work to cook them. It's kind of like the way I equate hunters to duck hunters, like deer hunters to duck hunters. I'm like fishing. Fishing guys, yeah, they yield bigger fish, but they don't have as much excitement throughout you the see, day. The thing about, thing about duck hunting is they have a little bit more excitement, but getting from truck to wherever well, you're going is a nightmare. Is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. A cold nightmare. I I went one time. I'll never do. I'll never do it again. Now, dove hunting's a little bit different. Dove hunting's cool. Dove hunting's cool. Yeah, it's fun. My experience with that was a Benjamin Air rifle and walking around in somebody's property. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. I usually had a 12-gauge shotgun. Well, whenever you can peg a dove from 60 yards with a pellet gun. Hey, I'll give you an A+. plus. That's not easy to do. I'll give you an A+. plus. Then you got to go find the thing. Yeah, that's always the hard part. Yeah. But we didn't have a dog. I was the dog. That's sad. But you shot it too, right? Oh, I shot it. So you were really the hunter and the dog. Had a little window maybe uh, the size of... You know, maybe the back of your laptop there is a bunch of bushes around it, a bunch of branches, and you're sitting on a branch and just got it. So he felt safe for a little bit. Oh, he felt safe. And then he, he wasn't. Brrr! He wasn't safe. He tasted good there, huh? No, we didn't eat him. Oh. It wasn't a dove. It was just a cowbird. That's weird. It was far away. Yeah. But a That's... heck of a shot, though. Yeah, but weird. Yeah. But weird. No, but, you know, you, you can see Wayne here. He's sat in his uh, shop, sitting there playing... Um, uh, PlayStation after eating questionable things and he gassed himself out of his own shop. I did. And then you'll have me, you'll see me like, hey, didn't he pass my house an hour ago? And you're like, yes, he did. Why is he still running? <laughs> because that's what he does. Yeah, I, I definitely think we have a different dynamic. But I will say, um, you know, the reason why we wanted to start this podcast is because we do have a lot to say on, on uh, you know, spirituality being being better men being better christians and we've also we've walked a a treacherous road to get where we're at we're still we're still working, working on it. 
Um, kind of a one of a, and this is kind of paraphrasing here, but I think one of uh, Paul's, he has a lot of very famous uh, quote or uh, passages that a lot of people like to quote. One of them was uh, uh, to be a living sacrifice. Yeah. And somebody's going to probably be like, that wasn't Paul, that was Peter. I don't know. Either way, somewhere in the New Testament, one of the apostles wrote to be a living sacrifice. And if you scroll back to the Old Testament, uh, they talk about sacrifices. The one that specifies it, I think, the most is Malachi. That's the last book of the Old Testament, a rather short uh, book. And he talks about, well, talks about God's wrath against people who were not giving their best sacrifice. You know, when you gave a lamb, you didn't get one that was going to die anyway or just a random select. You got the absolute best one you had. Yeah, like if we're to the be cream living, of the crop. Yeah, the, no, the one that the cream of the crop calls the cream of the crop. <laughs> and then you get that one's supervisor. Anyway, so if you know, if we're to be living sacrifices, what does that say about us? You know, we have to be better than just yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of the point of the podcast is to better yourself in a plethora of ways. Plethora, yeah, it's a good word. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know. Kind of like what Matthew was saying, you giving your best of your best, and you know, future episodes. I, you know, one one thing that I really want to talk about is um, idolatry um, in modern society. We are very bad about that in the United States. I mean, it's rough. You know, when I was um, unemployed, I turned to Callie and I said, "Hey, even the poorest of poor in America have more than just the poor of the rest of the world." And, uh, it's very accurate. The um, the faith that we put in other things is very disturbing to me, um, as it is to other Christians. Um, I mean, I can tell you, I was there not too long ago. Like, deer season took priority over everything. Everything. The way I spent my money, the way that I, you know, wrapped myself up into research. Dave Ramsey would be very disappointed. He would. Um and you know we had a we had a whole lesson about it at church about idolatry, <clears throat> and I remember just kind of self reflecting about it, and I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm not putting Christ first. I'm putting, I'm putting deer hunting first. I'm putting, you know, all this other things first. I'm we, putting we, archery uh, first. In our youth room for years and years, there was a poster. And it uh, said, it showed a guy standing by a golden cow and it said, what is your cow's name? And then the other was like a sports car. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think uh, when they think of idolatry, they think of uh, like something like Hinduism where they have actual idols that they pray to and whatnot. But in reality, an idol is pretty much anything that takes up more precedent in your life than it should. Yeah. Uh, I think a good example of that is uh, the wealthy man who came to Jesus and he said, what do I have to do? And he said... Uh, sell everything, give to the poor, you know, and follow me. And people are like, oh, that means you can't have anything. And you got to, uh, uh, you're missing the point. The point is, is the guy had things he didn't want to let go of. Yeah, because the, the wealthy prince turned around and walked away sad. Very sad because he knew he couldn't part from those yeah. things. The point is being just content to just be. And, you know, you got to recognize, you know, is this thing I have just something I have or is it something that means a lot to me and then there's that's a whole discussion really I mean you can sit there and talk about that for a long time yeah we'll we'll definitely bring that up on another podcast Uh, I will say this week 
um, our daily reading scriptures are come from the book of Hosea. Um, you know, today is Hosea three, uh, chapter three, and then uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is four, five, six, and seven. So we'll definitely be talking about those next week. Um, see what the relevances are in our life and and um, our daily struggle. So. Um, if you would like, you know, follow along with our daily reading schedules. We'll post them on our Facebook page. Yeah, we're working on it. Um, I sent a big blast out earlier today to all of my friends. So, uh, if you're listening to this, make sure you share it. And, uh, so other people can get our message. Unless on the off chance we don't upload it or forget to upload it or something happens, in which case, Hey, yeah, we, I mean, I do have a 40 hour <laughs> week job that I still need to take precedence over this, but you know, this is something that was laid on my heart earlier this year and during COVID with so much, uh, stress and anxiety going on in the world. Um, you know, we're called to be a beacon in a dark place. So that's what we're tr- really trying to do here. And I, there was something I was going to say, but I completely forgot what it was. And, uh, well, kind of, I guess we can wrap it up the way Scooter told me that, he does his sermons. So Scooter said he always finishes a sermon a few days after he gave it. Because <laughs> yeah. you're always going to be like, oh, I should have said that. Oh, I should have said that. Oh, man, if I had said that. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I should have said this instead. And it's going to happen. But yeah, we're working right. on it. Hey, we're working on it. And that's that's the whole premise of this podcast. So thank you for joining us this week. And uh, happy listening. And we'll be back at you. Again, thank you for joining. This is Yeah, I'm Working On It, Episode 1. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, We'll be back at you next week with a new podcast, so make sure you hit that subscribe button so you know when a new podcast drops. Um, Thank you again for listening, and farewell.